Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. I am your host, Adam Kipnis. Excited to talk to my guest today because we've got a wide range of experience that she has. She's the founder of the Freedom Triangle and is a first-generation American U.S. Army combat veteran, business owner, speaker, best-selling author of American Dream, Discipline, Discipline Resilience, Endurance, Adaptability, and Mentorship to Succeed and Win in Life. Right now in COVID land, all of those things are extremely important. If you're listening to this two years down the road, those things are still extremely important. She also has a corporate background, lots of things that we're going to pull from on how she got where she is and why she did it. Magda Khalifa, thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to us today. Hello, Adam. Great to be here. Thank you again. And I'm excited to talk to you. We talked a little bit the other day in a, in a little pre-call before we got on here. But you have such a varying degree of experience and choices in business and life that you've made, and they probably all came for a reason. So I think a lot of those will help the entrepreneurs listening in making their own decisions and, and following their own personal pivots. But you had a corporate career. You started as a first-generation American with probably a more traditional education and career path, correct? Yes, yes. I grew up in uh, North Jersey, right outside New York City. Uh, attended college, got a you know business undergrad in um, from Seton Hall University, and jumped right into the uh, uh, computer field, and worked in that industry for about eight years. Uh, let me see if I did my math right. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> for uh, you know large corporations, um, you know specializing in the, the Microsoft track track as it was back then. <laughs> Very nice. And was that something, did you study computers in school and it was a natural transition? Was it something that, that you were targeting? Well, so <laughs> I'll be honest, my very, very, very first job was I was a corporate recruiter in Wall Street and we were recruiting technical, you know, IT specialists, although back then they were called uh, MIS, Management Information Systems uh, Specialists, uh, for, to work the different banks and uh, brokerage houses. And when I saw what they were making, I thought, wow, I really need to get into that field. And in uh, college, I did specialize, you know, even though it was a, a business administration degree, I did specialize in um, what we call IT right now. Although, you know, back then in, you know, 93, 94, 95, uh, very um, obsolete compared to what we have today with technology. So I did have that, that you know, understanding and background. And uh, what I did is I, I found an, you know, entry level job essentially and worked my way in the field and, you know, obtained the certifications, got the hands-on training and really loved the field because it was very dynamic. Of course, you know, you had the big boom in the nineties, um, you know, with the information age. So there was, uh, you know, there was never a dull moment. I, I bet. So, so you took one of those job, uh, jobs that came to you and put it in your pocket and said, I'm going to apply for this one myself. Yeah. Well, um, it, I, I looked for something and, uh, you know, I was able to get in because I had, you know, the, the degree and the basic, uh, skills, I guess that were needed. But a lot of, uh, what I learned was on the job training, which was great. 
And, uh, you know, I really loved working in IT. Um, you know, I remember, you know, sitting in the uh, server room uh, with my colleagues in different locations in their respective server rooms on uh, the evening of Y2K, you know, where, you know, running our tests to assure that there was communications and that the systems didn't stop, you know, so that was a, a, a milestone uh, date for us in the IT world. But yeah, it was very uh, lucrative in the 90s. And, you know, we were constantly growing, learning new skills you had to, you, you know, what I liked about the field is you, um, you were not stagnant, you were constantly learning new skills as the technology evolved. So that always uh, appealed to me. Always learning, always learning. And it, it's interesting because in 94, 95, 96, somewhere in there, I, uh, I was also in the recruiting field, recruiting people into IT. Uh, it was a short-lived career for me. I didn't really enjoy it, but I think we were probably doing the same thing around the same time. And I remember from doing it, while I, it was a job and I worked for a company, I was working for myself. Like it, I had to go source the leads. I had to find my candidates. I had to match them up. I didn't think about it as entrepreneurial at the time because I had you know a business card with somebody else's brand on it. But in hindsight, it was my first business because it was all on me to make whatever money I was gonna make. Did you feel the same thing when you were doing that role? Um, no, with that role, it was, it was more structured and, and we had, it was you know, a very premier recruiting firm, literally one block away from uh, the World Trade Center. So uh, they were coming to us like every day, our inbox was you know, full of resumes. And you know, we had a process of screening the candidates and bringing them in for an interview to make sure they were the right fit. So I kind of plugged into the system that already was in place um, versus what you're explaining. But I, I do appreciate your description because that does sound entrepreneurial because you basically had to produce and, and be innovative and um, you know chase, chase the leads yourself. Very much so. And, and it, it was probably my first entrepreneurial, my failed entrepreneurial experience. Um, but so you, you came from a little bit more structure going to corporate IT, which was a probably relatively structured environment. Obviously, things were changing rapidly. You had to learn more, but you did so under the umbrella. But it was very fast moving during those times, late, uh, late 90s, early 2000s in the technology fields. But you decided it wasn't enough and you wanted to make a change. We can get well, into the specifics of that. But how did that whole process work where you decided I need to do something different? Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was definitely satisfied with, with it. Um, but what happened, the catalyst for change was, um, again, living and working right here in the New York City area, um, September 11th, 2001. That day uh, really hit home, literally, you know, seeing war in our backyard. And uh, I was married at the time. Uh, my husband worked IT as well. And he worked for a company that was in the 101st floor of Tower One. So he wasn't there that day, thankfully. Um, but it, he did lose uh, almost 200 coworkers. So it was a very, very dark period of time, obviously, for, for the country, for everyone. But, um, you know, very personal uh, for many of us here in the area. So um, what happened at that point, I, you know, made the decision to join the military and, you know, go join the, the war effort, you know, against our enemies who did this to us. Uh, so definitely a, a hard right turn from the comfort of the life I knew. Um, but I had that fire in my belly and really needed to 
do something because standing by, you know, watching and not being able to do anything when we were attacked did not sit well with me. Interesting. And I, you know, it's for those of us listening and for me specifically, like I remember where I was, I remember what I was doing. I was working in financial services. I had clients that I was trying to reach, but it was, uh, it was very much, we were bystanders looking at something, you know, essentially a world away because New York and Arizona are very far apart in terms of time zone and for, in terms of how we live our lives. Was that something, that fire in your belly that, that lit up at that and that need to do something, was that always there in hindsight? Um, whether it was military or something else, but was that something that was always there that you, you knew or was it a, a new feeling for you that you just had to go out and, and, and help? No, I mean, I was, you know, I've always been a very passionate, a lover of life, uh, you know, a go-getter, full of energy, always involved in a lot of different things, um, involved with, you know, either my community, uh, you know, back then I was a social butterfly and always planning things and, um, you know, fundraisers and events. And, you know, like, I always loved putting everything I could into whatever it was that I was doing. Um, you know, I wasn't that type a person that, you know, worked, say, nine to five, punched in, punched out, you know, like, even if I did that for the job, um, although with IT, you pretty much worked around the clock, you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, even if, you know, I, that was my job, I still had a lot of other things going on outside of it. And uh, living in such a vibrant area, I, I think that's, you know, kind of normal and par for the course. So I guess it wasn't that unusual for me or that out of character to do something that I felt passionate about. And, you know, seeing, um, you know, it was more, it, it was the loss of life, um, the loss of, you, you know, the attack. I mean, literally you would see the smoke for, for a long time and, you know, going to ground zero, um, you know, I went down to ground zero when we were able to, and just seeing the white dust all over the buildings, it was surreal, surreal, like un, something indescribable. And, um, you know, I remember seeing the corner where I used to work one block away from the World Trade Center, you know, covered in dust and, uh, you know, the corner of Liberty and Broadway. And, um, you know, I was, what, 29 years old at the time. So not a child, but, you know, it, it was it was major. It was major. Uh, so, yeah, so I just had to do something. And um, I'd always been fascinated by the military and interested. I was in uh, ROTC in college and got a scholarship. But my dad thought, you know, hey, you should really go into the corporate world. You know, that's what he believed would be best for me. So I turned down the scholarship. But, uh, you know, I was always interested. And it just seemed at that time the right thing to do. Um, I couldn't imagine not doing it at the time. Wow. Yeah. And well, thank, thank you for doing that. Thank you for, for being part of that on our behalf. And when I'm not equating this, what you did to an entrepreneurial journey, other than making a leap, a leap that you feel deep inside you that everyone, you know, probably either looked at you like you were crazy, tried to talk you out of, or tried to explain you out of, of why you shouldn't be doing it. That happens to entrepreneurs every day. Did that happen to you? Were people questioning your decision-making and you had to hold firm? Uh, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, I was married. Um, I was very, you know, my husband and I were very embedded with my family, you know, very close-knit and whatnot. And nobody understood 
the decision my, my husband did at the time because he was a marine uh previously so he understood it and he wasn't happy about it <laughs> right but um yeah everybody in my community just nobody understood why you know i would hear things like you have a degree you have a career you know you're doing so well why would you do that you know and i thought well people need to do it you know like that's what our country was built upon you know people who you know fight and protect our country why wouldn't i like i i just in my mind it didn't i couldn't see an argument why not you know um i mean i didn't have children so it's not like i was leaving children at home you know making that decision to do what i wanted to do you know so, so i mean like i just there was no argument that um presented itself and i've always been that type of person when i put my mind on something i'm gonna do it there's really nothing anybody can <laughs> change my mind. yeah i mean i i mean unless the argument is, is a great one but you know when it just seems clear and you have clarity on what you need to do um you know, you, you go forth and do it just like entrepreneurs do. And you, you hit the nail on the head. Oftentimes when people say, Hey, you know, I'm going to leave my corporate career and, you know, start a business, or I'm going to start a business on the side while I'm still working or whatever the case is, they're often met with a, a lack of support by people who do not understand. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Because we have to do what it, what we see you know what we're driven to do and you know we have to grow in the way that we feel we need to grow not just entrepreneurs but just people in general and i think um you know we'll probably get to this later on but that's one thing that i discovered is what holds people back from finding you know fulfillment fulfillment happiness uh success and significance is worrying too much about what others think um you know i i've learned that along the way so uh doing what i felt compelled to do has always made sense and has always factored out. Now, did I know what I was getting myself into? Not exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, strategically, yes, I understood, but you know, on, on a tactical and operational level, no, I did not know precisely what I was getting myself into. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I made that decision and I'm very honored uh, to have served. Um, despite the struggle I had with transition afterwards. Yeah, I want to get to that in a, in a second. You know, it's interesting being here in Arizona. Pat Tillman was a football player here for the Arizona Cardinals, and he left the Cardinals and, and joined the Rangers and, uh, and went to the Middle East as well. And I know some people who were close to him, and they all told me that he, ne he never considered a different option. It wasn't like he was choosing between playing football or going to the military, he was going to the military and he never looked back and never questioned his, his decision. And it sounds like you had a lot of those same feelings. It wasn't like, well, should I stay in my job or should I go do this? It was a, all right, I'm doing this. Now let's go and go to boot camp or wherever you go. Correct. Yes. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. When something's clear, you know, and that the way that tries over to entrepreneurship too, you know, when you know what it is that you're going after, and what you want to achieve, what your goals, your visions, your dreams, you know, for, for yourself or for the business, you know, or, you know, for anybody in life, there's nothing that's really going to stop you. You're going to get there. And it's, it's a blessing, I suppose, to have that, that gut feeling, that innate feeling within yourself that, um, about where you want to go, you know, uh, how you get there. Maybe you don't have that ironed out, you know, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, enough to take that first step 
and with intention move in the direction you want to go and you know that's that's always served me i suppose um and i guess the lesson from that is you know just like for folks that are debating oh i'm not happy i've been at this job for a long time yes there's a lot of benefits uh you know if i stay here and whatnot but you know i'm conflicted you know it's important to really 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 take an introspective look at yourself and your goals and plans and how will things serve you in five years and 10 years and make a decision based upon the positives and the negatives involved and on, on where you want to go. Not so much what others think. Now, yes, obviously if you have a family, um, you know, there, there are considerations with that as well, of course, but ultimately, you know, people confuse having, you know, they confuse, say in this case, having a family with that being an excuse versus, you know, really dialing in and being truthful with themselves as to, do they want to make that move? Do they want to leave that job and maybe take a pay cut, but be less stressed or whatever the case may be? Um, I knew at the time, you know, even though my husband didn't want me to go, he understood why I wanted to go. And I knew if I didn't go because I care too much about you know, what my family and community would think and whatnot, you know, I would never be fulfilled. I could never live with myself. And I, I just didn't understand that type of thinking. Um, I, I do talk about it in the book, you know, my parents, um, especially my dad, you know, I mean, well, both of them, they both came over here. Uh, they were about 30 years old, each separately from two different continents and happened to meet in New York City um, through mutual friends dancing at the YMCA. But you know, I guess maybe seeing that example of them being a free spirit, if you will, to take risk to come to this country for a better life from their respective countries, you know, both with different, you know, educational and socioeconomic backgrounds. Um, I guess that kind of set the tone for me subliminally to pursue things in life and always have forward momentum and, you know, not wait for uh, consensus or, you know, the right sign, if you will, you know, but actually following through on what you feel is important to accomplish or achieve. I, I love that. I love how you equate it to your parents leaving their country for a better life and you leaving our country to help others have a better life. Uh, there's a lot of synergies there. We're talking with Magna Khalifa here on the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. And, and Magna, now I want to transition to, um, we'll talk a little bit about what you learned in the military, but I think we can, we can do that from, from a business perspective. So you, you go through your, your tours, you were in combat, you were in unimaginably difficult situations for most of us um, who, who have not lived through that or been part of that. But now you come back and you come back to the States and people didn't understand what you were doing when you left. How difficult was it for them to understand what you went through now that you were back and getting on with your life, quote unquote? Sure. Um, you know, not their fault, but I know they didn't understand. And I, <laughs> in the state that I was in, you know, returning, I probably didn't help that situation either because... I didn't feel like I could talk to people about what you just went through because how could you even describe the, the environment, you know? Um, so priorities obviously shift and change when you have uh, uh, an intense mission, you know, where, you know, people's lives matter, you know, it's, so, you know, it's one thing if the server crashes, 
you know, it's recoverable. Um, you know, maybe there's an economic loss attached to that, but, you know, small decisions that you make when you're going out on missions, you know, could impact the lives of the people around you. So it's a very, very different kind of focus. Um, you know, and then you add, uh, you know, different uh, overlays too, if you will, to, you know, the array of decision making. And, and you know, it's, it's just something kind of really hard to describe to someone else. And it's funny, when I was writing the book last year, I, you know, it, it, that was, you know, a challenge to how deep into the weeds a description do I get? Um, and will this translate so people understand, uh, you know, without making it uh, too, you know, with too much military jargon. But um, that being said, yeah, coming back was tough. So I didn't stay in New York City long. Like I, I left the area. I, I got divorced or I started had started the process um, on my second tour. So uh, I moved to Virginia. Fortunately, I was able to get a job as a defense contractor uh, via a colonel that worked at my um, reserve unit. And, you know, he had gotten out and started a uh, uh, contracting. So he knew I had just returned. Um, I interviewed and I continued with a corporate job for a, uh, as a defense contractor. So um, I felt, you know, on one hand, I was able to transition to something where now I was helping train new war fighters. I was helping Navy personnel, um, you know, who had pre previously been on, you know, ships and, and subs uh, learn how to shoot, move, communicate, fight, and survive like soldiers and Marines had been doing for some time because now they were taking some of the burden of that mission. So it felt good to train them and I appreciated having that mission. So, you know, nine to five or whenever we work, you know, um, overnight or, you know, uh, weekends at the, uh, in the field, if you will, you know, um, uh, working with the warriors and their skills. So, you know, during that time period, I, I was fine. But then when I was home alone, alone, you know, after being married 12 years, um, I was alone and I didn't really have real connections, uh, didn't know anyone. Um, it was hard to make friends. You know, I was a different person. I was absolutely a different person. That, that bubbly, outgoing Jersey girl was, you know, <laughs> um, that was into everything, you know, I was, was, you know, very reclusive. And it was sad. It was sad. I mean, looking back now, you know, uh, the type of person I'd become. Um, and here's the thing, like, I, I will preface the following by saying this, like, yes, war changed me, but what specifically was it? Was it what we did, what we saw? Not so much, not so much. I was able to come to terms with all of that. I mean, I wanted to go there. I wanted to be there. So things happen. I mean, there will be casualties. And, and yes, that, those were the worst parts. However, however, what I did not know at the time, part of the reason I did not feel great, I felt pretty, pretty bad, um, was because of prolonged exposures to a variety of things, to include burn pits, toxins from the burn pits we were breathing, the plastic water bottles, you know, mind you, it was like 120, 125 degrees desert heat. So we would have to pound those water bottles all day. They were sitting outside in pallets in the desert sun. So the plastic was leaching into the water, all those chemicals. So every little thing that we were exposed to 
started to add up and that affects your DNA. So there's no wonder that, you know, veterans who spend any, you know, period of time over 90 days or whatnot, you know, coming home um, are going to experience some physical manifestations from their exposures at war, you know. Um, and we're not the first veterans to do so, of course not, you know, but, you know, there are specific uh, issues for the Iraq and Afghanistan uh, battlefields that we know about today, you know, um, Vietnam had Agent Orange, of course. And uh, so, so I didn't know that was what was going on. I didn't understand what was going on in my mind, in my body, you know. Um, but I defaulted to what I knew would, what would be the right thing to do, you know, which was work a good job, if you will. And, uh, you know, I bought a home that was my safe house and I just did the minimum to get by. So I was existing, but not living, you know, a shell of the person I once was. And the option, the only option I really knew of at the time to try to figure out what was going on, like what, you know, what was happening, uh, was to go to the VA. But then I saw, you know, many people I served with who went to the VA and they would just walk out with a big brown paper bag of prescription medications, you know, psychotropic drugs. And I, you know, I've always been like this health nut and, you know, various stages in my life, um, different types of, uh, uh, you know, health um, diets and whatnot and exercise. So I was not going to take medication. Oh, heck no. You know, um, so I suffered in silence and uh, just pushed through. Now, thankfully, you know, thankfully by the grace of God and that sheer will to just keep going no matter the prison, you know, the self-imposed prison I was in, um, I was able to break through. I was able to break through. Uh, I fortunately made some, some gains, if you will, learned about uh, nutrition and healing the body and the mind and that brain gut connection, you know, through nutrition, through high quality supplementation. Um, I changed my exercise dynamic to something that looked more of a, you know, like a CrossFit, you know, um, type style. It was functional fitness, uh, high intensity interval training, you know, back then. So the combination of those two things, I started to heal. I started to feel better. So fast forward a few years, you know, I really put myself in a better position that I was um, able to be a little bit more functional and a little less reclusive. Then I broadened you know, I, I started my own business uh, by that point. It was 2012 when I started. Um, I just left uh, the contracting world. It it wasn't fulfilling me. You know, the money was great, but, it, you know, the mission changed. It really, um, just with the nature of government contracting, you know, you don't, you know, a lot of things, there was a lot of red tape and bureaucracy involved. And uh, it wasn't fulfilling anymore. Um, so I said, I'm going to start my own business. So in March of 2012, I started a consulting company and, you know, it, it was great because that, that was my first and true endeavor or big endeavor, serious endeavor into entrepreneurship. And at that point, much like you referenced in, in the beginning, you know, I had to produce. So it was on me to produce. And I like that. I like that having that mission to keep going because, um, you know, my, my last uh, consulting or uh, uh, contracting job, I was sitting there. I was, you know, what they call butts and seats, you know, filling a billet that was required 
by a government contract, but I really wasn't doing anything. And that drove me nuts. I didn't care what they paid, you know? <laughs> uh, I bet, I bet, based on what you've told us, that yeah. that's, that wasn't fulfilling. But so when you started your business, did that, you know, reignite or replace the fire that you had originally, the fire that you had when you joined the military? Did that begin to replace that fire and all of a sudden um, your natural skills, personalities, and drive kicked in, or did that take some time as well? No, it, it definitely took some time. It, it was um, a great step in that I finally had something I could sink my teeth into. And, you know, at the time, I, you know, it, I didn't have any mentors, business mentors. I remember calling, you know, um, state numbers and whatnot, and just trying to figure things out as I went along. You know, I, I wasn't part of any business groups or had any, you know, resources readily available. I mean, the internet, you know, it's funny where we are right now. <laughs> we can't imagine life without the internet, but even in 2012, it wasn't as, um, you know, the depth of it wasn't what it was today. You know, social media wasn't what it was today. So information wasn't what it was or what, what it is today, I should say. So, you know, it, it was challenging, but I loved challenge. And, you know, that kept me going. Um, what really happened, so first nutritionally, I started to heal. That was a health freedom that I talk about in the book, um, which we'll get to. But uh, also what I really, really noticed made the difference is, you know, I branched into other, you know, side businesses and whatnot, and partnered with uh, some other folks. And there was, you know, one area that really, really helped me was mentorship getting mentored by people who had achieved far more than I had achieved and listening to the lessons that they shared, you know, in starting to read professional development books and starting to understand that I had a lot more growing to do. You know, I had a lot of experience, but I did not know how to, you know, make sense of things. And by consuming mentorship literally every single day for, Oh gosh, I mean, that was like a three and a half year span. It started to evolve my thinking about things and it elevated my thinking and it elevated my belief that I could do a lot more. And once again, once I know I should be doing something, I rise up to it. You know, I'm just one of those people that do that, you know, and most entrepreneurs tend to be, you know, the kind of person that, wow, I, I could scale, I can do more. Okay. Therefore I must, you know, um, especially once you know, but if you don't know, you, you know, you may not, uh, discover this information on the way. So I credit my mentors and, um, the book title, you know, the five elements, uh, the dream elements, the last one M stands for mentorship and having the right mentors tell me, even if it was in a group setting, they weren't talking to me specifically, you know, I was able to pick up nuggets that I was finally ready to receive because my mind was right. It was in the receive mode. I was in growth mode. And that's really what transformed me. And I would say the past two, well, you know, year and a half for sure. That's where I've seen um, the most growth with business, which is why I've been able to, you know, finally share my story and, um, you know, pivot. And now I, I have a product-based business that I just launched um, just this month. I want to talk about that too, right? So, so you learned through, from other mentors, you listened and, and you took in that information and it be, that information became part of you and it helped mm -hmm. you in your business, which created more success. 
and it, and it led you to writing the book, mm-hmm. um, right? And you, and you write the book, American Dream, mm-hmm. which has many, many meetings, right? <laughs> American yeah. Dream, uh, Discipline, Resilience, Endurance, Adaptability, and Mentorship. And you yourself became a mentor in writing that book. So tell us about the process of why the book. And now that you've written the book and people are reading it and probably coming back to you and taking the lessons and being like, oh my God, you changed my life because of what you put on those pages. Tell us a little bit about that process because that's an interesting uh, transformation that any author goes through, especially in a business and, and, uh, and personal development book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so no one ever, you know, came out and said, Hey, you need to write a book. In fact, that was kind of, you know, frowned upon, um, <laughs> versus, uh, speaking perhaps, you know, but I realized my life and story is unique. Um, and I felt it important to capture some key points and put together this book. And so I, I did, I self-published it, um, in six months and uh, it hit bestseller in three weeks. And what was, you know, you, you don't write a book as a, a moneymaker. You know, it's, it's basically a business card to get your story out. I mean, unless you're, you know, Stephen King or, or whatnot, you know. Right, right, but, exactly. Um, yeah, it's a, you know, a, a business part, a card, if you will, to, you know, capture, capture your subject matter expertise or um, claim your story, your memoir, or whatnot. Uh, you know, so there's history in there, of course. You know, I wrote it as a memoir. Um, which I think is important. I've always been a fan of history and uh, felt that was important to share that part. But I wanted to provide value, not just tell a story. I wanted to provide value so that whomever the reader was, they would be able to uh, extract something that they could apply to their lives. So, you know, I made sure throughout the chapters to include um, value points, lessons learned, if you will. So try to make it as clear as possible that, yeah, you don't have to go to war to get something out of this. You know, I'm not just trying to motivate and inspire you. I'm trying to help you with actionable steps that I wish I knew years ago, because I wouldn't have wasted my 30s, so to speak, you know, living very small, um, below my potential. Um, so that being said, I, in the process of writing, you know, uh, writing is cathartic. You know, I, I knocked out probably 90% of the book in three weeks. Um, and then spent the next few months, you know, researching the, the process of, uh, self-publishing. But at the same point, I was still growing because I was focusing on my story and thinking about things I hadn't thought about in a long time. And I was in such a good, you know, I had that time freedom. I could, I could do this, you know, spend the time and do it and do it right and focus on it. And um, I had the health freedom. My mind was working right, you know, and talk about it in the book. It was running optimally, which is much different than just, you know, working well and being healthy. You know, this is like an elevated state. So I share um, some of those tips of how I did that in the book. But as I was going through that process, I was able to think about things and in my dreams and, you know, wake up and have epiphanies and share that, that in the journey in the book, which I thought was unique and special, you know? Um, so at that point, you know, sharing the story was more than just, you know, ending this process of being vulnerable. I mean, there was the number of people that knew anything in, you know, the stories in there, you know, I could count on one hand, you know, maybe half a hand. So it was a big deal to put myself out there, but I'm so glad I did because what happened was people started 
messaging me and you know, the, the reviews are great, you know, on Amazon, you can read them, but um, they started privately messaging me. And these were people that I didn't think I would hear from, you know, different demographics, um, different genders, different ages. And that really uh, spoke to me because I thought, okay, you should have done this before, but okay, you finally did it. But now you need to develop this into something further to help people more. So uh, in the book, I, I uh, coined the term the freedom triangle, which is based on the three points of time, freedom, health, freedom, and mind freedom. And these three points are what I discovered on my journey that has allowed me to reconcile my past and surge my future um, to be able to find peace of mind now instead of, you know, right before, you know, at my deathbed you know, years later. Um, it's how I was able to literally get to the point where I feel limitless and it's great. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing to wake up each day and know exactly what you're going to be doing and, you know, to move to a state of significance. So, um, what I started, what I started to do after getting all that feedback, I, I, I said, I, I need to develop a course, a digital course, something that people can take, um, you know, at their own pace on their own, you know, that I can guide them through these steps so that they're able to apply it as they see fit in their lives, you know, because some people are just missing certain portions. Some people are missing all of it, you know, uh, some people are just missing one portion. So, you know, that's part of my mission now is to, is to complete that so that I can share that value with the world. Um, I do have a free download to get people started in thinking about this journey, if they are open to improving their lives and finding answers, you know, through this methodology. I know there's a lot out there and, you know, what, what I, I guess love about it, this is, you know, from my own journey and purely original. <laughs> Which, <laughs> yes. I, you know, I kind of say that with a smart because it's like, there's a lot of stuff out there that I feel has been, um, just rehashed and recanned and, and that's fine because you can never have enough good stuff out there. And I talk about it in the book, but it's so important to be original and be true to yourself and not compare, you know, what you do and, you know, say and do and produce to others, because I think that's a distinct mark of, of your brand, you know, um, that's just a personal thing that I, you know, I strive for. So yeah. So if folks want to go to thefreedomtriangle.com. They can download the, um, the interactive, like you can print it out and write your answers on there. So it's a start. And, uh, you know, eventually, you know, certainly by the end of the year, if not sooner, I will have that um, course available uh, to help folks um, who are on that journey. That's awesome. And, and I appreciate just the, the way you told the story and, and, and why and how you did it. You know, I think a lot of us have all been through tough times and tough is, is sometimes in the eye of the liver, if that's a saying, right? Um, your tough times are definitely very different from mine. But for me at the time I went through them, they, they felt really hard, right? <laughs> right. And I can't necessarily compare them, but you not only lived through them, but you came out of them with and you had multiple tough times, right? Not only um, your, your tours, but also coming back and, and re-engaging in society and, and living small and, um, and not knowing how to talk to people. You had a lot of things 
that taught you lessons. And a lot of times we don't listen to our own lessons. Yeah. Um, so I think it's wonderful that you were able to do it. You put it on paper. And I think this is true for everybody, no matter who you are, if you put something on paper, you will find your audience. Just like Magda did, the people started messaging you directly because you spoke to them. And I think it's, it's really a testament to you and your re re resiliency to be willing to put it out there, but also letting your audience find you, which they certainly have. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, no, it's a process. And I think it's important to take that first step and get involved. And, you know, again, getting back to like, you know, you're, we're on our own timelines. We define what those timelines are, not others. You know, never compare yourself with someone else. Like I just strive to be a better version of myself than I was yesterday or five years ago or 10 years ago. That's my measuring stick, you know. Um, and, and that's what people need to remember and focus on, you know, but you have to take that first step. And if you don't take the first step, you're never going to get there. <laughs> the door is not just going to open up for you magically. But I can tell you, with you know, a year ago, you're, you're right. The book didn't exist in you know final format a year ago. Um, neither did the the fragrance line or anything. You know, so it's it when you know when I paused for a minute and looked back, I thought, wow, yes, a lot has happened, and it continues to happen. And that's what happens. It's like the the laws of the universe, the energy that you're putting out when you put you know, flow and energy into the universe, it's going to come back to you. But if you're living the way I was, you know, just working my, you know, my job, doing, doing my job, but just coming home and just avoiding people and playing small and, and, and whatnot, you know, I mean, like life isn't going to change at that point. And there are a lot of people who find themselves in similar positions, you know, um, either, you know, bad relationships or they're stuck you know, either with their career or, or they're hurting, they're suffering, you know, but the beauty is if you want to change, you can change. You just take that first step, just literally have to go for it. Um, and things start to open up and that's happened so many times, so many times. Uh, I talk about significance because, you know, moving from success to significance, because that's the most powerful a uh, thing that I think has happened that I experienced, you know, when I was um, working and, you know, volunteering on the side, helping veterans organizations, you know, and just giving it my heart and soul. And it was, it was very hard, of course, because you're dealing with lives of, you know, my brothers and sisters and people who are far worse off than I was, you know, in many respects, but by putting my heart and soul into it, you know, uh, as a volunteer and, and whatnot, you know, putting all that time and energy and treasure, it just came back to me in beautiful ways. And That's, fantastic. That's it, fantastic. It does. It really does. It really does. You know, and you know, a lot of people I understand, like, you know, not everybody has ambition and drive or whatnot, but it doesn't hurt to put some good into the world, you know, go volunteer at a soup kitchen, do something, you know, be a big brother, big sister, help out in some way. And that little act, that little act, has so much bandwidth and you know you're going to feel good about yourself you know you're going to open your eyes to other things you know like like i mentioned you know when i thought i had some bad days i looked at what some of my fellow veteran brethren were going through and i realized okay i might not be doing so well right now but they're far worse than i am so i it helped me understand gratitude and you know the same thing is you know in in our entrepreneurial journey you know like when you have a lot of um, friends in business, of course, and 
a lot of them have, you know, are servant leaders in business it, rather than just chasing the buck. You know, they find ways to get back and serve in their own way. And it's helped their businesses grow, you know, not just reputation and, and you know, or what is a tax benefit, you know, it's, there's so much more to it. You know, uh, you're enriching lives, communities, businesses, and your network. And I just can't say enough about that. And, you know, so I incorporate that into what I'm doing too, because it's, it's therapeutic. Sure. You know, it's, it's great, but it really, you know, there are energy uh, levels associated with it. And when you do good, good's going to come back to you. Yeah, I think that's so true. And that's a perfect way to wrap up. Thank you for being a champion to so many people. Thanks for putting your story out there so other people can benefit from it. Thank you for everything you put um, yourself through on behalf of all of us. Magna Khalifa, thanks so much for the time today and everything that you've done. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate being here. You're very welcome. And thanks everyone for listening to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to the Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.